Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey. On the agenda this evening, mostly UFC 273, the upcoming event. Uh, obviously, there was no event this last Saturday. The UFC seemed to be steering clear of WrestleMania, which is ongoing as I record this, believe it or not. So, no event this past weekend. Uh, there were a bunch of other smaller MMA events, if you were curious about them. Some good finishes, too. So, uh, keep that in mind if you were interested in that. Um, that's kind of it. Uh, we are, yeah, kind of light on... Kind of light on other, you know, news and whatnot. Uh, in the wake of the, you know, the everything we talked about last week. It just hasn't been a whole lot. So... UFC 273, and then we'll see if anything crazy breaks between now and then. I imagine not. The, U- the UFC it does a surprisingly savvy job of staying away from things that eclipse them. They chew up, you know, the week-to-week news cycle with just so much stuff. But on the occasions that things come out that are demonstrably bigger than they are, they do a pretty good job of, again, like, cycling down a little bit, knowing when to keep their head down, when to put it back up. So they've kind of been keeping their head down for this week. Uh, so, again, mostly a preview. The other... Yeah, that's kind of all I've got on my list. So before we get going, please interact with the product a little bit. That always helps. Like, comment, subscribe, if at all applicable. Star review... Star rating, rather. Written review. Any of that that you could possibly do to help out the show... If you've done that, or if you're still listening and don't want to do that, I don't control you. Uh, tell your friends. Tell somebody that you think would enjoy the show. Tell them where we are. Always appreciated whenever you guys are able to do something like that. So I thank you very much in advance for all of your help in that respect. All right, with that out of the way, UFC 273. UFC's back on pay-per-view, and this card... Okay, the, the about the schedule to kick off the main event. Or the main card, rather. Sorry, not the main event. That was never great, and it suffered a bit of a setback. This this card suffered some pretty serious uh, reshuffling. I mean, we were supposed to get Aspen Ladd versus Irene Aldana, which would have been a really good fight. Now, not so much. We'll get into what we did get. Uh, we were supposed to get a fight I was looking forward to, actually. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum taking on Nasruddin Imovov. As well as Drikas Duplessis. Uh, I was supposed to take on Chris Curtis, which I didn't hate. Uh, I was also supposed to get... That's a smaller fight. Um, but we lost Chris Curtis from the card. Not totally. He had a uh, wrist injury. Then Anthony Hernandez had an opponent that fell out. So they matched up Anthony Hernandez and Drikas Duplessis, which is a perfectly acceptable fight. Uh, then Imovov, Nasruddin Imovov, had visa issues. I'm not sure entirely what stems from that. Uh, He is Russian, but he lives and trains out of France, I believe. Or he was born in France and then moved to Russia, one of the two. Forgive me, I can't remember off the top of my head. A little bit surprising, but also, you know, not. (laughs) With the constantly changing state of the world these days. So he fell out, so we were going to get... Then they 
uh, shifted some things around, we were going to get Gastelum and Duplessis, which is not a bad fight. A pretty big step up for Duplessis, given given the heights that uh, have occasionally been demonstrated by Gastelum. Now that fell apart because Gastelum has some kind of an injury. So that all kind of got monkeyed with. Just to say, I, I like Duplessis what I've seen at him, so I was curious to see what he was going to do. Uh, ditto Imovov. Imovov and... Uh, excuse me, Imovov and Gastelum. Darn good fight on paper. Uh, what else did we... Uh, no, that got moved here. Um, we I can't say we lost Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Marcin Tabora. It's not here, but... <laughs> You know, in fairness, I'd take that over Olenek and Vandera, but, uh, yeah. So, that's where we are at the moment. Um, we'll go over the one replacement fight for the co-main, but anyway, uh, not co-main, for the kickoff show. Anyway, main event. Darn good fight. UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky is going for his third title defense. He has one successful defense against Max Holloway. One against Brian Ortega. Now he's trying for number three against the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. If you'll remember, this was supposed to be fight number three between Volkanovski and Holloway. Holloway had that weird... still don't know what it was. It's some kind of medical injury that made this thing fall apart. Then, after they signed Chan Sung Jung and Volkanovski three, two weeks later, Holloway says, yeah, I'm all good now, so I'm the... He's the official alternate for this fight. So if anything happens to either of them between now and then, in steps Max Holloway. Um, it's a really good fight on paper. Uh, as far as my pick goes, I'm going to start with this. I need a really compelling reason to pick against Alexander Volkanovsky at this point, and I'm not saying Jung is not a good fighter. He is. I'm not saying there aren't ways he can win. There are. Uh, but if we're talking prediction, I don't think he offers a terribly compelling, uh, a terribly compelling prediction for why I think he's going to beat Volkanovski. Here's kind of the primary reason for this, I think. Uh, Jung is a surprisingly adept counter-striker. Uh, it, it's one of the things he does quite well that people don't think of him as a counter-striker. Because he's good about pressing forward. But he tends to be at his best if you are coming to him. The people who have really kind of monkeyed with him uh, are the ones who made him perpetually come forward. And that seemed to not completely undo him, but that does seem to you know, be a bit of a... He's not quite as comfortable there. Best way to phrase it. Uh, I mean, if you look at his fight with Yair Rodriguez which I know he lost last second to that crazy elbow. He was beating Rodriguez because Rodriguez, in no small part, was willing to just keep coming forward. And Jung is happy to let meet you when you come forward, and he's good about countering you. And he gets hit a lot. <laughs> not, not the most in the world, but he gets hit. He just is good about persevering. He's good about... His defense is a little bit better than you think it is. He's got power... And he's really, he's an, he's got, how do I phrase this? It's not just accurate strikes, because he's certainly got that. But if you look at his uh, his shot selection, 
is really kind of what I think sets him apart from a lot of other guys. He doesn't just kind of throw and hope. It's a lot more, I've noticed this habit, so an uppercut will work well when you're ducking in. I can follow back one of your punches with this counter right. I can, you, uh, he's good about selecting what he's going to do. And then he's, again, got some pretty good accuracy. He's a good grappler. Uh, I mean, the way that he just constantly kind of rode uh, Frankie Edgar before he finished him, you know, that was that was pretty impressive when you know how good Frankie Edgar is. And if you're listening to this, I assume you have at least a passing familiarity with just how good Frankie Edgar is. Uh, that was... So he's good down there. He's a pretty good scrambler in particular. Uh, but... He can be countered if you make him lead the dance. And his sort of aggressive nature kind of plays into people who are good counter-strikers. Even people who are not exceptional counter-strikers. You know, uh, Brian Ortega made him come forward and just countered him all day long. You know, I mean, Jung had his success in that particular fight. I don't mean to imply otherwise. It was not a total wipeout. In... To, in you know, minute to minute terms, it was four to one, I think, or five and oh, five and oh, in terms of rounds. Uh, a really nice performance from Ortega, one of his better ones, uh, to be candid. But that's there's a little bit of a lack of activity from Jung, too, that I think might be a problem. Uh, and you're dealing with a guy who is exceptionally well rounded. Uh, I know that uh, I think it was AJ McKee. He made a little bit of noise. <laughs> and I get that he's trying to get himself over and whatnot, but, you know, saying that, you know, Volkanovski, so he's a good kickboxer, you know, you got to have everything, and I just... That must be coming from a place of... He's either just talking to talk, or that's coming from a place of deep ignorance. If you didn't watch, you know, Volkanovski's first couple of fights in the UFC, he's primi he was primarily a wrestler. I mean, he was... Uh, in the Khabib model. In fact, I've got an older um, podcast slash... I say slash video because I know it's on YouTube. Uh, that was my um, kind of deep dive into Volkanovsky's skill set at the time. This was... Um, I think after the first fight with Max. Was either after, right after it or right before. And it was primarily based around trying to figure out what he had done to beat Jose Aldo. So I looked at a lot more of Volkanovsky's fights and whatnot. And he's changed a bit. Uh, since then, and even if he's not changed in the traditional sense, he started fighting differently. I mean, you have to fight Max Holloway. Like, you have to fight that guy in a very specific kind of way that you wouldn't necessarily do with other people. So, so that's out there. And I, early on, again, he's a he's a wrestler. He's a fence wrestler. He's got good control, good takedowns, solid ground and pound, and a good pace for it. You know, he initially did kind of have a, a bit of a Habib vibe going. Then he changed it because he wanted to, and some of his opponents you know, made that a bit more of a tactical advantage. And now he's one of the most sophisticated strikers in the sport. He's so good about splitting your timing. He's For a guy as short as he is for his division... He dictates things with the jab. Now, the shorter fighter can use the jab effectively. I don't mean to... There are pl plenty of examples of people who do. I mean, Roberto Duran had a very good jab, and uh, granted some of that when he was at his more natural weight class. 
he wasn't quite as outsized as he was when he gained a bit more fame and was fighting, you know, the other kings. That was also kind of towards the tail end of his career uh, a bit more. But he had a very good jab, despite not being a long guy. And you, you look at someone like, uh, I mean, the obvious example is Thomas Hearns. Wicked jab, but also had, you know, freakishly long arms. Shorter guys can use jabs. It's more about timing uh, and proper positioning. And he excels at that. So he's also really good about overloading you with fakes and feints. I imagine we're going to see Jung... Uh, swing at a lot of air. I think Volkanovski's going to do a good job of drawing out his counters. The first round is probably the most dangerous with Jung. Doesn't mean Jung can't do things later. He's been in five-round wars before. I, That's very well documented. But if you're primarily worried about his power and the guy hits hard, after that first round, he tends to be a bit less of a complete... Not a complete fighter, but... The the threat of being starched is a bit less. I mean, if we look at his resume real fast. Uh, he's got finishes outside of the first round, but they're a bit, they're a bit further and further uh, between. The last two fights, he's gone the distance. Uh, five rounds against Dan Ige, which he won, and then Brian Ortega, which he lost. Before that, he stopped Frankie Edgar in the first round. Impressive. Stopped Hanato Moicano in the first round, in the first minute, actually. Impressive. Went five, uh, you know, w went into the fifth to Jair, and then lost at the literal last second. Stopped Bermudez in the first, and before that, he had that uh, he had that big layoff for his military service. He fought Aldo into the fourth before he suffered the injury. He was into the fourth round before that with Dustin Poirier. So, it, in which he won, by the way. Is a, again, it's not that he can't fight late, but you get out of the first and a fair amount of the danger shifts. It's not quite... He's still dangerous, but he doesn't present the same kinds of danger that he did in, uh, early. And he's not the only guy for which that is true. But it is... I, I think it is definitely true for him. Um, I think Volkanovski is going to, again, fake him and faint him to death. Uh, mix in some grappling on occasion. Um, I mean, he didn't... He used a bit, bits of grappling in places to kind of keep Max off balance and control him at, play, uh, at times. He didn't grapple too much with Ortega until Ortega jumped on him for that guillotine and then he just, you know, escaped. Spent the... You know, escaped the <laughs> that triangle choke and then just kind of spent the rest of that round pounding him out from top position. And then uh, a little bit, I think, the next round he did some, but... You know, grappling with straight wrestling and grappling with Brian Ortega is just uh, I don't want to say it's the worst idea in the world because that's an exaggeration, but it was clearly something that he w that was not plan A. Just put it like that. Not plan A. I don't think it's going to be plan A in the dominant sense here for uh, Jung, but I think it might it might play more of a factor than it has in his last several fights. I'll just phrase it like that, because I think he's, I think uh, Jung, is, it's not that he's easy to take down or easy to control, he's not, but he's not the same threat off of his back you know, that someone like Ortega is, and he doesn't have the same kind of very, very stout defense and clinch breaking that Holloway does, so.
Yeah, I, I picked Volkanovski pretty much over the division at this point. That's going to be wrong eventually. I mean, of course it is. But I, frankly, I think there's, a, I think he might be the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the sport. I mean, it's kind of between him and Usman. I mean, that's where everyone's logic lies at the moment, and I'm not faulting anyone for saying that for putting Usman at number one. But if if we're talking just skill for skill, I do think that he's better skill for skill than Usman. If you look at Usman, Usman has more power, but Volkanovski's a much better striker than Kamaru Usman. Now, might change in the future, but... If we're just talking technique on the strikes, uh, Volkanovski is superior. So uh, I would—I don't have a list, but I think I would have him number one on my pound-for-pound pound list if I had one. Between him and Usman, that's a real tough call. But in the spirit of what pound-for-pound pound is supposed to mean, I—I prefer—I think Volkanovski's better. Which is not to dismiss Usman by any stretch of the imagination. That's just to go, Volkanovski's awesome. <laughs> so, I think he beats every featherweight that isn't Max Holloway. Um, I mean, I, I don't even. Th- and that's not to say he doesn't beat Max Holloway. He clearly did twice. Uh, I just, I would favor him in a third fight hypothetically. I mean, that seems inevitable at this point. But that, that's just kind of where I am with Volkanovski at the moment, is I, I'm probably going to pick him over whoever he fights for the next couple of fights, barring some serious change in uh, what we see. Now, again, uh, Jung can win the fight. He's got power. He's got good technique. He's, <laughs> he's good for the long haul. He's good everywhere. His most dangerous weapon is his power, but he's... He's good everywhere, so I don't I don't mean to imply that he is, you know, unable to win. Just you know, don't like his odds. Uh, I'm so that's where I am. It's a great fight. Uh, looking forward to it. Should be a good one. Uh, let's see. Co-main event rematch for the bantamweight title. Champion Aljamain Sterling will try for his first title defense when he rematches former champion Piotr Jan former champion and interim champion, Piotr Jan. Um, I picked Jan the first time, and that's where that was going. You know, Sterling had a good first round. I know some people gave him the set. I mean, Sterling takes the first round clear, pretty clearly. Jan is a bit of a slow starter. Um, I think he likes getting his reads. Uh, but once he does, I've said this about him before, you know, once he does, he is he's an avalanche. He's just an avalanche rolling downhill. Stopping that guy is once he gets going is it's proven impossible thus far. He only has two losses. He has the DQ to Sterling, which he did to himself, uh, and one of his one loss earlier in his career. This took place in uh, ACB. It was ACB at the time. I think they've rebranded to ACA at this point. And he lost a decision against Magomed Magomedov. He lost the decision because um, he... I forget which foul he committed, but there was a foul, and he had a point deducted. And that's what cost him the fight. Um, Absent the point deduction, the scorecards would have gone in his favor. So... No one's really beaten the guy. (laughs) 
I mean, I, I don't mean to imply that Magomedov didn't fight admirably in their first fight. He did. But if Jan doesn't, you know, doesn't cheat there, he wins that fight. And then if he doesn't throw the knee at Sterling, that was going bad for Sterling. I mean, like I said, I've, I've seen people argue that Aljamain could take the second. I don't see it. But even if I, even if you do give him the second, I, it's a bit generous, but you really can't give him three or four. I mean, four is when the fight ends, but it's very, very obvious what direction that fight is going, and it starts going that way in a hurry. Uh, that was getting worse and worse and worse for Sterling as the fight went on, and I think that's just how that was going to go. Uh, this is Sterling's first fight back since. Since then, Jan had the interim title fight with uh, Corey Sandhagen, which was darn good. I love that fight. Uh, Jan is... Jan is an exceptional fighter. We're getting two of the best pound-for-pound guys in the sport here in Volkanovski and Jan. And I don't mean that to undersell Aljamain Sterling, who... I'm going to say two things at the same time when it comes to... What ha- I said pretty much everything I wanted to say in the aftermath of their first fight. If you're curious, you can look it up. Uh, but I think that foul was clear, and I think it had an impact. And at the same time, I do kind of think that Sterling milked it just a hair. <laughs> uh, that said, you know, he's the one who... You know, Jan did that to himself. N- nobody else... Uh, he has no one else to blame for that but himself, and... I don't blame Sterling for not being able to continue one iota. So as far as this fight goes, um, I'm not going to be shocked if Sterling wins. He's good enough. And if he learned some of the lessons that he needs to, as far as maybe pacing himself a little bit better, this is certainly not an unwinnable fight for him in the kind of generic sense. But I favor Jan. I favor Jan heavily. And the... (laughs) John's one of those guys, man. He is so much fun to watch. He is so much fun to watch. So, uh, I I lean towards Jan. Good fight. It was a good fight the first time. Uh, we'll see how the sequel plays out. But two title fights. Both of them really good. Uh, yeah. That's... You can't ask for much a much better top two than that. I mean, you could nitpick it and you can maybe refine it, but... Those are quality fights. All right, next up, another really good fight. Uh, Welterweight Gilbert Burns will... I believe he's fresh off of his failed title attempt. Double-check that real fast. No, he beat Stephen Thompson after that, so July of last year had had the fight with Thompson. I mean, his only loss at Welterweight... Since, like, 2016 was to Kamaru Usman. And if you go earlier back into his... That was his return. Yeah, he is li- his only loss at welterweight ever is Kamaru Usman. Before he got to the UFC, he was a... He bounced kind of between welterweight and lightweight. Was undefeated. Won his first few fights in the UFC. Lost... The, uh, when he got to the UFC, it was lightweight. Lost to Rashid Magomedov, lost to Michelle Prezeresh, lost to Hooker, won a bunch of fights, moved back to welterweight, and since returning to welterweight has gone, yeah, 5-1 and one 
only losing to Usman. And he's fighting Hamzat Shemaev, the new seemingly unstoppable force. Um, I mean, it's not like Hamzat hasn't earned that particular distinction. He's 4-0 in the UFC, and one fight went... He's only gone out of the, He's gotten out of the first round three times in his career. Both of those fights ended in the second. Both of those before the second minute of the second round. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's just a train. Uh, coming off of a win over Li Jing Leong... Before that, he knocked out uh, Gerald Mershart in 17 seconds. He is all offense all the time. He's got good wrestling. He's got relentless ground and pound. He's got serious power. I mean, the guy hits hard at welterweight. He's got knockout power up at middleweight. Um, I have gone back and forth on this one. There's a couple of questions that Burns is going to ask of of Shemaev that we have not had an answer to yet. We don't know what's going to happen when Shemaev has to fight someone who is a really, really good jiu-jitsu practitioner. And Gilbert Burns is a multiple-time world champion, both gi and no gi. So that's going to be curious. He, this, uh, Burns is also just hands down by a fair margin the best fighter Shamayev has ever fought. And whenever you get a step up like that, there are questions. Uh, Burns is pretty durable. Uh, it's not easy to get him out of there. It can be done, but not easy. Burns has pretty heavy hands himself. Uh, and we've not seen Shamayev, you know, hit at all. I mean, he's been hit like what, once? I think he's absorbed one significant strike uh, during his time in the UFC. Which is an absurd stat. I mean, just absurd. Uh, he's got the highest differential, you know, ever. It's like triple digits to one. It's ridiculous. Now, some of that's the level of opposition, right? I can say this without... You know, hopefully I can say this without offending anyone or whatnot, but he has not... Li Jing Liang was a good step up for him. Uh, and was, I mean, prior to this fight, uh, Li would be the best fighter he's fought, generally speaking. His first couple of appearances were not upper-end guys, which is not the end of the world. He had less than 10 fights. He was fighting theoretically appropriate levels of opposition, and just blew them completely out of the water. Which happens sometimes. Now he's getting a step up, and we're going to have to see what happens. So I've gone back and forth on this. Talking with one of my brothers the other day, and I think I said I was going to lean towards Burns. And now I'm thinking the other way. It's Look, anytime you get someone like Shemaev, there's an there is a reality to fighting, especially fighting in the UFC. I don't care how good you are. At some point in your career, you're going to fight someone who puts it on you. This is true. Of, this happened to George St. Pierre more than once. Happened to John Jones. I mean, that first fight between him and Gustafson, you know, that's kind of what made it so special, was this was the first time someone's 
Someone's taken the fight to John Jones, you know, what, and to John's eternal credit, he dug deep and fought back and won. Happened to Daniel Cormier. First time he fought John Jones. <laughs> uh, and the second time. And when Cormier fought Gustafson, you know, it, it happened to Fedor, you know, if you want to throw him as one of the greats. Uh, happened to Demetrius Johnson. It happens to everyone. I mean, it happened to Usman. A couple of times, actually. Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns hurt him in their fight. And then both times he fought Covington. Covington was right there in the fire with him. I think the only guy it didn't happen to in the traditional sense of some if somebody's going to put it on you was Khabib. Uh, I don't think anyone ever really kind of put Khabib on the back foot. Which is just... A testament to how absurd Khabib Nurmagomedov was as a fighter. Just, he's the only guy I never think I had to see fight from, you know, again, off the back foot. Fight from behind, from any kind of deficit. Uh, the closest he got was the glacian Tebow fight. Needs to be said. But even then, Tebow did a good job of neutralizing him more than a good job of punishing him. And... Khabib, to his credit, took the lessons that uh, Tebow taught him and improved dramatically from that fight. Uh, but that that's the closest. It's the closest somebody ever came to putting it on him. And that was, at the time, more about Tebow's defense than about Tebow's offense. Uh, but it, it does. It happens to everybody. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's going to happen. How you respond to that is a big deal. And whether or not this winds up being the time that it happens to Shemaev or it's someone in the future, it is going to happen. And at some point, we're going to have to get those questions answered. I've swung around on this one. I, I think I am going to lean towards... Normally, I prefer to favor the negative in the unknown, right? But here's the thing about this that I think is going to kind of sway me towards Shemaev, and this might sound absolutely crazy. But Burns is, Burns might be, Burns is durable, but he's also there to be hit. Uh, I'm curious how Shemaev's defensive wrestling will hold up. I imagine well, but Burns could easily try to take him down. And Gilbert Burns, again, is easily the best grappler he's ever had to fight, and that becomes a pretty serious question mark. But i it's been a while since Burns has had to fight. Even when he fought Usman, there's a bit of give and take there. Now, Burns might come out, land a solid punch, and end this very quickly. That's not impossible. But I've seen... Burns likes to be the one on offense, and when Burns has to be the one playing defense, that's when he's a little bit... Now, he can find offense from, you know, different places, but when he's the one playing defense, that's when he's not quite as potent. And he's got to find a way to put Shemaev on the back foot. Uh, you cannot let Shemaev dictate the fight, dictate the pace, any of that stuff. That That will go so badly for you. <laughs> And I think that's kind of what I, what I'm what I'm going to lean towards. Why I'm going to lean towards Shemaev here. I don't know that Burns is going to be in the position to deal with the offensive firepower 
that Shemaev is going to bring at him. If he is, put a big caveat here, if Burns is ready for that, Shemaev could be in some serious trouble. Because we've never seen him have to go through, you know, the different plans, right? We've never seen him have to dig deep over three rounds. We've never seen him have to, we've never seen him have a great round, but maybe give it too much. You know, the times he's gone into the second round thus far in his career, he's been in such a dominant position throughout the entire fight to that point that it doesn't really matter that it's contested at a high pace because he's the one setting it. And if you're the one setting your high pace, it's easier to maintain versus what you have to do relative to someone else. So I'm going to lean towards Shemaev, but uh, I'm giving Gilbert Burns a ton of respect here, and I will not be surprised one single iota if he wins this. Not one. All right, moving on. Women's strawweight. Mackenzie Duren will fight Tisha Torres. Is Duren back at strawweight for the first time in a while? I'm going to double check that. Um, her fight, she main evented against Marina Rodriguez that last year. Yeah, October of last year. Now, that was Strawweight. She's been back for a little bit, it seems. Um, there was a lot of talk about her potentially moving up to uh, Flyweight, but she figured out her weight issues, so. And I just mean scale issues, not trying to body shame anybody here. Uh, she was on a good winning streak before that, and Rodriguez is quite good. Uh, whereas Torres, let's see, Torres is on a three-fight winning streak, um, which she needed after her four-fight losing streak. The Torres does seem to have found a little bit of a, a second life in her career, but the size difference is going to be a big thing. The grappling differential is very significant. When you combine that with the size problem, Dern's Dern's a much larger woman than Tisha Torres. The longer this stays on the feet, the more it will favor Torres. She's a better striker than Dern. I'm going to pick Dern here. Uh, not saying Torres is incapable of winning, but there's a few things that are going to have to line up for her that I, I just don't like the odds on that. And kicking off the main card, heavyweights, Alexi Olenek was supposed to fight Alir Latifi. Now, Latifi fell out for whatever reason. He fights Jared Vandera. I was going to pick Olenek to beat Latifi. I have no problem picking him to beat Vandera. So, yeah, there's that. Um, that's a pretty weak fight to kick off a pay-per-view card, but hopefully it won't last long. I mean, that's your main card. In top three fights, excellent. As for the rest of the card, shouldn't take as long to get through this. Aspen Ladd is going to fight Raquel Pennington. Again, she was supposed to fight Irene Aldana. I would have favored Aldana over Ladd. Um, but I will favor Ladd over Pennington. Um, that said, man, Ladd has not... has not been great lately. Um, that loss to Jermaine Durandamy really seems to have messed with her. Uh, and... I mean, she's had some of the you know, the issues weighing in, and then you know, she did a she rallied to beat Yana Kunitskaya. She was down in that fight before she uh, got the third round finish. Coming off of a featherweight fight where she lost a five round decision, just didn't do anything. That said, I'm I'm not a big believer in Raquel Pennington at this stage of her career. I mean, 
She's she's only 33, but she's had over 20 fights. She's on a three-fight winning streak, which should you know, shouldn't be uh, discounted as you know, as nothing. But I I favor Lad here. So welterweight Ian Gary and Darian Weeks. Feel okay favoring Gary here. Middleweight, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, Anthony Hernandez had a few different opponents. Now he's set to fight Josh Fremd. I might be mispronouncing that, but it's F-R-E-M-D, so I'm going to go with Fremd. And if I'm wrong, I'll apologize once I hear how it's pronounced. Um, Hernandez is pretty darn good, and I have no problem picking him here against a shorter notice uh, debutante. I mean, he's had some losses. You know, he had the loss to um, Jordan Wright. No, he won that one, sorry. The loss to Marcus Perez and then the Kevin Holland loss. But he had a good win. He's been out for a while, though. He's been out for over a year. I mean, he choked out Adolfo Vieja with a seated arm triangle, which was crazy to see. Uh, why has he been out? Uh, he was supposed to fight December of last year. He fell out for undisclosed reasons. Um, okay, so yeah, I have no problem picking Hernandez here. He's been a bit up and down, but Hernandez has demonstrated some serious upside. Heavyweight, uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Marcin Tabora. Oh, that got moved from another event to this one. I misread that earlier. My apologies. Um, boy, Rosenstrike needs this in a pretty big way, huh? I mean, he had a good run-up, then he got starched by Nganu. Rebounded okay, beating JDS. Had that terrible dis loss to Gone. Coming off a loss to Blades. Um, he needs this in a pretty big way, whereas Tabora... Lost to Volkov in his last fight. That snapped a pretty long winning streak, actually. Um, Tabora's a pretty good... Uh, benchmark, gatekeeper kind of guy. Especially for heavyweight. I'm going to pick Rosenstrike, but this might be one of the last times I do so. Uh, he's got to sort his stuff out in a hurry. As for the early prelims, Mickey Gall will fight Mike Malott. That's supposed to be somebody else. No, I don't think it was. Um, Gall has some ability, but he got he came into the UFC way too fast. And that does not seem to have done his career any favors in the... Let me rephrase that. It does not seem to have done his skill development and his win ratio any favors. I mean, he's making more money here than he would anywhere else. So I'm, in that respect, it did wonders for his career, I imagine. Uh, I'm going to favor him here. He does seem to be coming along a little bit as a fighter. He's got gas tank issues. But... You need to be able to consistently win in the UFC, I think, to beat him. And if I don't, and I need specific evidence of that to the contrary, and I don't have it with Malat, so. Uh, bantamweight, Julio Arce and Daniel Santos. Um, I'm going with Arce here. I think I've been a bit higher on Arce than others. He's been up and down in the UFC, but I was a bit, I kind of thought he beat Hakeem Dawadu. Uh, the Marais fight, the Shaman Marais fight was close. You know, he's a pretty good fighter, so I'm going to pick him here. Potential scrap here. Be on the lookout for this. Mark Madsen and Vince Pichel. 
this is either going to be kind of awesome or really boring. Um, Madsen, an Olympic silver medalist in Greco-Roman wrestling, multiple-time silver medalist at the World Championships, uh, undefeated, coming off a win over Clay Guida. Can't believe that was split. I mean, he faded down the stretch in that fight, and Guida came on stronger towards the end, but that shouldn't have been split. Uh, Pichel, enjoying a little bit of, again, a kind of a late-stage renaissance. He's, I mean, his only... He's so much better than people give him credit for. His only losses ever are his UFC debut, when he got suplexed uh, several times by Rustam Khabilov and then pounded out from there. And then Gregor Gillespie beat him. Now, he's not fought, you know, top-end top guys. I mean this with no disrespect to the gentleman he's fought. The, his wins are as follows. Garrett Whiteley, Anthony Njikawani, Damian Brown, Joachim Silva, Roosevelt Roberts, Jim Miller, and Austin Hubbard. When I say that, you know, beating Jim Miller in 2020... This is 2020. Like, Jim Miller, who I have the utmost respect for. And beating him is not easy. But in 2020, Jim Miller is also not you know, a top-end guy in the division. I, I, again, I don't mean that uh, disparagingly. I think that's just an accurate assessment. Could the guy still kick my butt? Oh, yeah. Uh, easily. But that's... He's on a good run. He's a lot better than people think. I think the... Uh, this is going to be a bit of a cardio check for Madsen to see if he's figured out um, some of the pacing issues and whatnot that he had in uh, that, that he had in the Guida fight. Pichel's a good enough wrestler to hang with Madsen, not to beat him necessarily there, but he can hang. Um, I'm actually going to pick Pichel here. I think he weathers an early storm and comes on late. I might be very, very wrong, but I'm going to lean towards Pichel. I, I think he might finally be starting to get his due. And kicking everything off, women's strawweight, uh, Pierre Rodriguez, Rodriguez? I'm going to assume Rodriguez, and Kay Hansen. Um, Hansen, one and two in the UFC on a two-fight losing streak. This might be her win-or-go-home moment. Um... Probably shouldn't pick her. But I think I will. Why not? Yeah, I'll pick Kay Hansen. Might be very, very wrong about that one. So, take that for what it's worth. All right, that is UFC on ESPN 7... UFC 273. Jeez, I'm all over the place. UFC 273, this Saturday. I will have coverage in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. So, please do come by, say hello. I always appreciate that. Right, so I don't have any major news items, so I'm going to check Twitter and see if anything crazy has happened as it relates to MMA, and if not, I will get into plugs and get out of here. Well, nothing MMA-related, at least, so let's get into plugs. Uh, this week, I have my usual spate of professional wrestling coverage. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday, be the SmackDown after WrestleMania, that could be good or very, very bad. Uh, this last week, uh, my usual stuff, I also covered NXT's Stand and Deliver yesterday, so Saturday. So if you're interested in any of that, my 
live play-by-play coverage, my star ratings, my thoughts, etc. on anything in the world of professional wrestling. That is in the WrestlingZone411Mania.com. Also later this week in podcasting news, uh, I will be on Damn You Hollywood for Morbius. That'll be myself, Mark Radulich, and Pat Mullen. We will be talking that dumpster fire. <laughs> Haven't seen it yet, but I've not heard anyone over the age of seven say anything positive about it. Let me just put it like that. So I'll see it on Tuesday before we review it. Uh, until then, be on the lookout. So be on the lookout for that. I don't think I have any other... Double check my schedule. I'm 90% sure I don't have any other podcast-related things this week. Let's see. Uh, yeah, there's Morbius. And yeah, that's my only... That'll be my only podcast I am participating in this week. So be on the lookout for that. Next week, we'll be back here to review UFC 273 and preview. And preview? And double check that real fast. No. Um, no, sorry. Yes, yes, sorry. God. My calendar was wrong. <laughs> sorry, wrong month. Uh, we will be back. We will be back here to preview on the 16th. Yeah, um, the rematch between Vicente Luque and Bilal Muhammad. It will headline UFC on ESPN plus 64. What's the rest of that card looking? Um, Luque and Muhammad fought in it was one of Muhammad's earlier UFC fights. Uh, Luque knocked him out in the first round. Is that Muhammad's UFC debut? I want to say it was. No, it was his third UFC fight, so early in his career. Uh, Muhammad, obviously, a much better fighter now than he was back then. Uh, anything else in that fight I want to poke at early? Uh, ought to be something. Miguel Baeza really needs to get things going again. Yeah, that's kind of it. That is... Yeah, next week is... Um... That's very much a machine return over card. Uh, okay, Elizabeth Zalescu dos Santos and uh, Munir Lazez has some potential. Um, yeah, it's it's just not a great card on paper. Again, we'll get a more thorough, a much more thorough uh, preview next week. So please come back for that. Again, the review and preview, and there should be more news next week. Uh, and one, uh, we'll be closing in on. Um, They'll, they should be starting to announce things for the big summer card that is you know, International Fight Week and whatnot. So be on the lookout for more of that. So more news should be present next week. Short show this particular week. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you all very, very much for tuning in. Again, I always appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe out there. Thank you once again and continue to be well, be safe and behave.